On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit. The question Jesus addresses in these final words at the feast are, why should you care, even if it is true? Jesus is answering, what difference would it make if you came to him? What difference would it make if you believed, if you received, if you drank? That's the question. He's, he's not saying anymore, how can you know if this is true? He's saying, if it is, what difference would it make in your life? A part of the answer of whether he's the kind of person you would want to come to if he's true is realizing to whom he is speaking these words. He is speaking them to his enemies. He is giving a totally open-ended invitation to everyone within the sound of his voice. And the only qualification that he puts on the words are, if anyone thirst. That's all. If anyone thirst, any Pharisee here who just sent to have me arrested, any chief priest in my audience, any officer trying to arrest me, any offended person whom I just told you do not know God, if anyone, anyone thirsts, come to me. The fact that he is speaking those words at this moment to these adversaries is part of what should make you want him. It's part perhaps of what the soldier at the cross was moved to say, this man was surely the son of God because he prayed for his enemies. And maybe the soldiers who were there to arrest him, he's looking right in their eyes saying, soldier, if you're thirsty, why don't you come to me and drink? Today we are doing chapter two of the Staff of Moses. This chapter is titled, False Insistence, the Bride and Revelation 22:17 Indicates the Church, uh, the Saints. Um, so again, for those of you who aren't aware, this book, the Staff of Moses, this is the World Mission Society Church of God's defense book. It's their countermeasures book. It's, it's a book that, uh, they use basically they respond uh, to Christians and it, basically any theology, any biblical ideas that that counteract some of their core doctrines. This book contains their arguments to respond to uh, those ideas, and so this is an important book. This is an important book for us to cover. So we are we're just going to jump into chapter two today. Um, if you haven't watched 
part one and part two where we went through chapter one, I would recommend that you go and watch those before this because as we go through this series, we're going to be continually building upon things that we've said um, in prior videos. First, what I wanna do, I'm just gonna read kind of the main verse that they use uh, and focus on in this chapter, which is Revelation 22:17. If you know anything about the WMSCOG, you are going to be very familiar with this verse. So I'm gonna read this scripture um, and then I'm going to read what the WMSCOG has to say about it, sort of a summarization statement pulled out of their, uh, their book here in chapter two. So Revelation 22, 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come, let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And so here's what the World Mission Society Church of God says in the Staff of Moses uh, in response to that, that passage. They say, what does the bride in Revelation 22:17 give us? She gives us the water of life. If the bride referred to the saints, it would mean that the saints can give the water of life. They focus again here in chapter two, their focus is, is really on Revelation 22, 17. And the, the entire chapter is really rooted in this assumption uh, and this straw man argument, basically. Uh, first, it's an assumption that simply because the bride here in Revelation 22, 17, we see the bride saying, come, right? The spirit and the bride say, come. And so their line of reasoning is basically that since the bride is saying, come, that proves that she's giving the water of life. And, and then everything else they say is just based upon that assumption. They're saying that we are saying, they're trying to answer a kind of straw man by saying that us Christians are claiming, you know, it's really the saints are giving the water. That's the claim of the church right. of God. Mm -hmm. Now, I just want to say one thing real quick though. Uh, the passage in Ephesians 5 is a really good cross-reference to the one we just read in Revelation 19 where it says, um, so that he may sanctify or cleanse by the washing of water of the word. Okay, it's talking about the church here, just as Christ loved the church, that he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and blameless. And that's kind of the idea of the mm -hmm. white linen again. Mm -hmm. So again, this is a, talking about the church, not talking about a female deity any more than Revelation 17 or 19 verse 7 is. And if this was Mother God, again, she wouldn't need to be allowed or granted to put these clothes on. Or presented. Well, so the the WMS has, you know, uh, somewhat of an explanation for that, too. Okay. So I know that the, the next chapter, chapter 3, is in regards to Revelation 19.7. So I don't know if you want me to bring it up here or wait till... Let's, let's, let's wait on that and let's just okay. say that, that if there are objections arising in your minds right now, if you're a member watching this and you, you immediately are thinking of objections or responses, uh, we'll get to those. We'll dive deeper into Revelation 19 in the next video. Um, Tune in. To, yes. <laughs> so, um, so again, this assumption... The, the, like you just said, there's sort of a straw man going on because they're assuming that, the assumption here is that the bride is giving the water of life. At the end of the day, that's what this comes down to. They're assuming that Revelation 22, 17, they act as if it's so clear and just straightforward that obviously since the bride is saying, come, she's giving the water of life. 
to me, like for the past three or four years that I've been dealing with this group and thinking about that verse, that that line of reasoning has truly, honestly, always just been like baffling to me. It's just like, what? how in the world are you guys making that jump? Well, it's, it's kind of putting words in our mouth. And again, reading the verse, it says, come, let him who hears say right. come. So, you know, isn't there another possibility, mainly that the church is proclaiming the message and pointing towards the giver of the water life instead of us actually being the water life? That's kind of the big mistake they're making here in the Church of God. They're trying to say that we are saying, hey, we're the ones who give the water. We're not saying that. We're pointing people towards Christ. I could, I could say right now for myself, I don't point anyone that I give them the water life. Jordan, let me ask you or Kelsey. Do you guys give out the water life to anybody? Do you know any Christians who claim that they give out the water life? No. Except for cult cult leaders do, but yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> right, but they, but they're saying they're saying the saints are the ones, according to us, who are giving out the water life. Jordan, do you give out the water life? Do you do you have you ever claimed that? Absolutely not. Exactly. This is right. the straw man. Right. They're saying that we as Christians claim that. And I said, just reading the text right there, come and let him who hears say, come. Whoever's thirsty, you know, there's nothing there in any context whatsoever. The alternate explanation, we could say the spirit and the bride, that's the Holy Spirit who has spoken through the prophets and the apostles, right? And we point back to that message, that proclamation as messengers in the world. And the bride, that's the church again, ourselves, we point to him, let him who says come, because there's only one person to us who gives the water life, as we'll see. It's not two persons, it's not a mother and the son, because there's no concept in the Bible as a mother anyway, or a second God. Right. Kelsey, well, you also, Yeah, also it's kind of, because again, you know, they're they're assuming that when it says, like, like we've been saying, when they say come, that it means give, but that's not the case, because again, you know, it's the spirit and the bride say come. Right. And let him who hears say come. If by saying come, it means, you know, that they can give the water of life. Then those who hear who are also saying come, yes. they should be by that logic. They should be able to give the water of life as well. And as you know, those who hear, that's, you know, the God's people. Right. Again, we cannot give each other the water of life salvation. But also in one of the verses that they mention here a little bit later, John, John chapter four with mm -hmm. Jesus and the Samaritan woman, like if you see that, because this is a, you know, this is a popular verse that they use after they show Revelation 22. In John chapter 4, it says, da, 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 when he's talking to the uh, Samaritan woman in chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus says to her, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So here... Jesus clearly says that he will give the water of life. Mm -hmm. But then if you see a couple verses later, verse 20, uh, verse 28, um, it says, then leaving the water, leaving her water jar, the woman went to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything hmm. I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So Jesus, he was the one who could give the water of life and he told her he could give the water of life. And then what did she do? She told other people to come to him, right? right? She could not give the water of life, but she told him to she told them to go to the one who could give the water of life. And then when you see a couple verses later, um, in the same chapter, uh, it says, verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. So he said he could give it. She told people to go to him to receive it, and then they believed in him, right? It's the same situation that we're right. seeing in Revelation, where the Spirit and the Bride exactly. are saying, come. The one who they're saying, come, is come to Christ. Because when you see just a few verses later, in Revelation 22, verse 20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So the one we are to hmm. come to is Christ, is what mm-hmm. this Revelation twenty two seventeen is saying. And again, the word give does not appear here. And again, what that argument is based in is just assumption that because Revelation 2, 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say come, the WMSCOG says, there you go. They're obviously giving the water of life, to, to which I would simply say, what are you talking about? Where in that verse does it say that simply because they're saying come, that they're the ones giving it? Um, mm-hmm. Because as as Kelsey mentioned, if you jump, I mean, right the the very next uh, section in, in Revelation twenty two seventeen. Let me pull it up here. So the spirit of the bride say, there, Jordan, I'll let me just say this: probably half the chapters of this book are designed for people who are not informed Christians, who are kind of you know not right. ignorant of what Christianity even believes themselves. So they're kind of arguing against straw men on that level, not an informed Christian, exactly. but an uninformed Christian, right? So Revelation twenty two seventeen. Listen, it says, the spirit and the bride say come, and let the one who hears say come. Okay, so their their entire basis for, for assuming that the bride is giving the water of life, I feel like is immediately dismissed, because if, if, if simply, if the simple fact that the bride is saying come proves that she's giving the water of life, well, right after that, it says the one, let the one who hears say come. So it's not only the bride who can say come or is saying come, it's not only the spirit who's saying come, but now it's the one who hears. And who is the one who hears? Well, obviously those who hear are those who, like unbelievers, who become believers. It's, it's the saints, it's people who believe. And yet this very same verse that they use to say that that this can't possibly be anybody uh, but the, the bride who's giving the water of life because she's saying come, right in that same verse, you're saying people who we would both agree can't give the water of life also saying come. But you, you guys don't assume that just because those who hear say come, do you assume that they're also giving the water of life? So I guess what I'm saying is I, I just, I can't possibly see the rationality, the logic, the the consistency in the WMSCOG here. I just, I can't I can't find how they are are making this assumption. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's just this, huge assumption uh, based on the fact, point. right, the bride is saying come, and so that must mean she's giving the water of life. Is biblical sleight of hand, is scripture twisting? It is. So my question is is to the WMSCOG would simply be, um, so you, you again, the, the staff of Moses, kind of they summarize by saying, what does the bride in Revelation 22, 17 gives us, give us? She gives us the water of life. I disagree. I'm just stopping and saying, where are you getting that? Where are you getting that the bride gives the water of life? So they go on to say, if the bride referred to the saints, it would mean that the saints can give the water of life. And so as Steve just said, we agree that the saints are not giving the water of life and cannot give the water of life. But my question is, and my challenge would be, show us where in this verse, where in Revelation 22, 17, does it say that the bride is the one giving the water of life? Honestly, I think we could have started this video and we could have simply said that. We could have simply said, 
where, where in Revelation twenty two seventeen does it say the bride is giving the water of life? And then ended the video. Right. Okay, we're yeah. done. Video's over. <laughs> right. We've already, you know, proved it. I mean, a very honestly, that's all you. This, this whole chapter can be responded to with that simple question. Yeah. Where, where does it say that? It just simply doesn't. So, Kelsey, I guess to you as a former member, what is it about Revelation twenty two seventeen that you feels like makes them so confident that the bride is giving the water of life? Is it simply the fact that the bride is saying, "Come"? Um. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good portion of it, right? I mean, because when when I was a member of the church and I was going out preaching, sometimes people would say to me that it doesn't say give here, right? But as mm -hmm. a member, I would just like, you know, just keep going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. I knew it didn't say give there. I would say, well, it says the spirit and the bride say come, right? right. And then come okay. and then you can receive the water okay. of life. But I would say, then I would just keep, I would just keep yeah. talking, you know? I so you didn't, you didn't. Ultimately, as a member, you didn't know why. Ultimately, you didn't know why. You didn't really have a reason why you believed, actually, that that the bride was giving the water of life. If somebody I mean, challenged your mind on just you, skips it, over it. Your mind yeah, skips you just over skip it. over it and say, well, I've always, this is what I believe, and so I'm just going to keep saying it. When I was a member, they told us to preach confidently, clearly, and loudly. Like, when you're yeah. tested on these subjects um, to be able to preach them— uh, you can get the whole subject right. You can like literally repeat it word for word. But if you're not confident in it, you're going to fail uh, or they're going to fail you. And so confidence is key. So even though you might not necessarily know how to explain the, the verse or answer somebody's question, you have to be confident in your response. So if somebody says to me like, oh, it doesn't say that they're giving it. And I would say, okay, well, then who is the source of the water of life, you know, 2,000 years ago? It was Jesus, right? And then I would actually probably show John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, mm -hmm. where it says, come to Jesus, right? And I would just play off the word come. And then here I would say, okay, well, in the last days, it says the spirit and the bride there are saying, come to receive the water of life. We know who the spirit is, but who is this bride? And then I would say, um, well, let's see in the chapter before. So do you see how... Yeah, so it's just it. it's it's so yeah. circular. It's like you mm -hmm. you don't actually stop and listen to people's genuine, right. sincere, logical uh, challenges. It's just right. like you you just have to move past it and continue on right. with your. Well, it move move past it, but again, be confident in it, so that even those so that the person won't realize that you didn't just you didn't answer their question. I mean, politics does this yes. too, right? It's, yeah, you, it's you talk yeah. around it. You know, you don't want to say that you don't know, right? That's the last thing you want to say is you don't know, and so you just you just keep going, right? And which, again, which, you know, which, mm -hmm. which for the record, sometimes I've found in my own life, like being honest in those moments and telling people when somebody asks a hard question, saying I don't know, I really don't know, like that. That's a good question. That actually is one of the greatest ways to build somebody's trust and to make them right. stop and say, oh, hey. This guy maybe isn't just a total lunatic who thinks he's got the, everything figured out, you know. But in the WMS, it's you know you don't you want can't, to. You can't that afford you don't that. Know because this is the mind. truth, right? If you don't know and you're going, because this is what they teach you. If you don't know and you're going up to someone, and you can't answer their question, or you can't convince, you can't like convince them that you know what you're saying is the truth. Then you just might have killed a soul. Or you're going to lose their tithe and money. Their, their blood is on your, yeah, well, I mean, obviously you lose tithe money. Right? Yeah. Or they, you know, the potential for tithe money. But, I mean, you just killed a soul and, and their blood is on your hands. And so um, that's why, I mean, they, they make a study like, uh, I, you know, 
they they make us study like crazy so that we can be able to like answer. That's why slave. that's why that's why staff of Moses exists so that we can combat those those you know what other people say right so that we can win their souls over. Well, let let me just say that they the, the staff of Moses is doing a terrible job uh, of giving members a substantial, yeah. meaningful like rational reason to continue to say that Revelation twenty two seventeen has the bride giving the water of life. Right. None of us, are, n- all of us are on the same page. The bride isn't giving us the water of life. Um, right. Isn't giving the water we're of not. life. Yeah, we're, well, we're not. But what, what right. we're asking is why Why are you guys assuming that from this verse? It just, it simply doesn't say it. It doesn't say that. Yeah, and there's a lot of themes, you know, in the Gospel of John, you know, the hour and so many different themes. Um, in, in John chapter seven, Verse 37, he goes back to this idea of the water life. And he says, 37 to 39, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from his innermost beings will flow the rivers of living water. Now, how does hmm. that, how do we get that, it says? That's that's really interesting. He who believes in me, not me and mother, he who believes in me, this scripture says, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Well, Steve, let me stop. That I just I just thought of something that, that is hugely significant here. And this is As I you always to, do, Jordan. I, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but but think about this. Like, isn't it later on where it talks about how the, the this living water will flow out of Jerusalem, right? It'll flow out of the temple, or or how does it word that later on? You guys know what I'm referencing? The water coming from the throne of the, the Lord and the Lamb, right? The, the throne of the Lord and the Lamb. And, and um, doesn't it speak about it coming coming from Jerusalem, or am I just... I think, yeah, the and, WMS would agree with that, too. Right, because... That too. Well, well, I'm thinking of Ezekiel 47. Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, well, Ezekiel let's... 47 and uh, Zechariah 14. Okay, so I don't... I, I want to stay on 2217, but I think this is worth mentioning. So... Um, Ezekiel 47, let me just pull that up here real quick. Because well, and while Steve you're doing would, that, Jordan, while you're yep. doing that, I want to yep. add verse 39 where I stopped. It says, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive. The spirit was not given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what are the waters? Now I'm talking like a WMSOG where they always ask those questions. And what are the waters? You know how they always do that in their studies, right? Um, so what is what is this water, living water? It's the Spirit, 739. Kelsey, what's the Ezekiel verse again? 47. Uh, Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 12. 1 through 12. Okay, so what's what's kind of, just give a quick, like, summarization of what they use that to, to say and how it relates to this. So they use Ezekiel 47 to explain, you know, water is coming from Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to, I mean, it's, it's going to the Eastern Sea, and and the western sea and it's you know consistently getting deeper right ankle deep knee deep up to the waist and then eventually a river that cannot be crossed and they say this is not talking about you know the literal jerusalem temple because it was in a desert there's no water flowing out um from jerusalem so this is speaking about the heavenly jerusalem and um you know the water getting deeper and deeper represents, you know, the water of life coming from Heavenly Mother in Korea. First, it started in Korea, then it went to the, you know, just a few countries outside of Korea, and then now it's all over the world, or then it became, you know, all over the world, and now, you know, the Church of God is all over, all over that, you know, it becomes a river that cannot be crossed. 
And um, they said anybody who receives the water, they'll, they'll receive salvation. But those who don't um, will be like swamps and marshes, meaning they'll, you know, they, they won't be they won't be saved. And they say that this is a mated verse with Revelation 22, verse 1, because it says, um, it says, verse 12, for trees of all kinds grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will wither, nor will their fruit, their, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water of the, from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and leaves for healing. So they take that verse and say, oh, you know, this is made into Revelation 22, verse 1. So mm. it's talking about in the last days, we receive the water of life salvation from Jerusalem, which okay. is our mother. Okay. So here, here's here's why I went off on that whole that whole side road there. Because again, Steve, you read John 7, where Jesus says, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in Jesus, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So You mean the one who keeps the Passover? <laughs> <laughs> or, or believes it, or believes in Jesus. Which one was that? Did I see? Did oh, I forget I saw, to mention? I don't keep know. I didn't see Passover in that verse anywhere. Neither did I. Well, yeah. It doesn't say Passover, but water of life is salvation. We know we receive Which salvation is, through Passover. Okay. So, meaning she will be telling us to keep the Passover through the you okay. know the teaching of the Passover. She will right. spread salvation throughout the whole world. Okay, but here's the point: whose heart? Whose heart is it? According to Jesus in John seven, who from their heart? is flowing rivers of living water. Like whose heart is that there? It's the believers, right? It's, it's those who believe in him. And so, so, okay, again, why I bring that up is because they go to Ezekiel 47, places like that and say, look, Jeru water flowing out of Jerusalem. I think probably in their mind, they'd be like, well, the only one who can give water is God. And so if water's filling out of Jerusalem, you know, Jerusalem must be the spiritual Jerusalem, must be heavenly Jerusalem, must be mother God. There you go. So something like that. But, you know, when I see Jesus saying that out of our hearts, those who believe in Jesus, we have living water flowing out of us. Not that we are the source of living water, but we we have, um, I, I would say, a much better, more biblical way to interpret Ezekiel 47. Well, why not connect it to John 7? where, you know, you constantly see in the Old Testament that Jerusalem is the saints. Jerusalem is the people of God. And so if you see water flowing out of Jerusalem, well, I connect that to Jesus saying, through faith in him, water flows out of our hearts, living, living water flows out of our hearts, which is, you know, the fruit of the spirit, I think, is a simple way you could put that. We, we, we had the water, the life of Jesus that comes out of us, and we can go and touch the world with love and the sharing of the gospel. And so when you see these ideas of water flowing out of Jerusalem, well, again, Jerusalem is always the people of God, it's the saints. It's always like this, this representation of, of God's people. And so I think a much more biblical connection to make with Ezekiel 47 would be to connect it to places like John 7, um, because you're seeing water flowing out of the hearts of the saints. And so I think that immediately, you know, this whole chapter is about how, and, and I'm not making the case here, I'm not making the argument that we are the source of the living water, that we are the ones who actually give the living water. No but, one believes that. <laughs> but there is a sense in which we ha we do have living water that flows out of our hearts. Because which of, is the Holy Spirit. Right, which is, which the, is Holy the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Because we are connected to Jesus who is the source of living water. Seems to me that there are three wonderful things implied in the word thirst. Number one, the water is free. It's a gift. 
The only condition that's mentioned is need. There's no talk here about coming to work for him to get the water. The only talk is, are you thirsty? Second observation about thirst. The human soul has thirst. We know he's not talking about physical thirst here. We know that. That's clear. What he's saying is the soul has something like physical thirst. Let's call it thirst. When you go without water, your body gets thirsty. When you go without God, your soul gets thirsty. You were made to drink God. You were made for God. Your body was made to live on water. Your soul was made to live on God. This is the most important thing to know about yourself. Nothing about yourself is as important to know as that you have a soul and the soul was made to live on God. That's where it's all going. Everything is a means to that end. That you might drink of Christ, that you might feed on Christ, that your soul might live on Him. Guys, I want, I want to bring up something really interesting too. So, what does the last part of 2217 say? It says, let him take the what? The free gift of the water yeah. of life. Free gift. Yeah. Free gift. Yeah. Now, if we go free back gift. to John chapter 7, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, that's your free gift. As the scriptures say, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But then he, but this, he spoke of the spirit and those who believed in him were to receive. So it's basically the free gift that comes from belief. And this is where cults will add, you know, Jesus plus. So it could be Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus keeping the Sabbath or Jesus plus speaking right. in tongues or whatever. So, you know, it's not exactly a free gift in the church, is it, Kelsey? I mean, you got to do Passover and all day, you know, services on Saturday and third day service and tithes and uh, preaching work. I mean, you know, it's definitely a works righteousness well, compared to the gospel where we've always taught that, you know, John three sixteen, the free gift comes from belief, trust in Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And, and we can go a whole, we can go down a whole rabbit hole for that one, too, because they would argue that, you know, if you believe in, in Christ, you're going to do what he says. And they say, he said, you know, we need to keep Sabbath, we need to keep Passover. But um, back to your point, though, with the um, uh, the free gift, right? Because they say Passover is salvation, right? So Passover would be that free gift. But yet when we keep Passover, we're required to give an offering. Mm -hmm. It's like they show Deuteronomy 16, 16, and they, you know, they say very adamantly, like, you know, three times a year you are to appear before the Lord your God. And um, one at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which they say is coupled together with Passover. So Passover, you're required to give an offering, they say. 
So it's yeah. actually not, you know, that would say, you know, challenge to the members thinking like, you know, if salvation is a free gift, if Passover is a free gift, then why do you need to give an offering? Yeah, exactly. And, um, and, and there's so much more I want to say on that. And I think we're, we're probably going to dig into that a little bit more right. here soon in, in future free videos. Free means free. But, yeah, exactly. but as you said, Revelation twenty two seventeen itself is is the water of life being offered here it is something that is free. It's something that is to be received without any effort on our part, any anything that we are ourselves bringing to the table as if it's that we are saying, look, God, I've, I've done my part. I've done all this. I've I've put in my time. And God's like checking the books and saying, oh, yep, yeah, you did. You showed up here. You put your ties in here. You kept the Passover here. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you my, your paycheck of salvation. That, that's the WMSCOG conception of this, of, of yeah. salvation in a nutshell. It's, like it's, a, it's a business transaction, right? Right, but what does John 7 say again? Free. You, they, it comes right. by believing. Right. Yeah. So, so this Revelation 22, 17, it's, it's, a, it's a free gift. Salvation is something that is freely received. And, and and does that result in people just running off and living lives of sin? No. Those who freely receive are God transformed them. It, it, it's this water of life. He says water of life will come in them and it changes the way you think. It changes your desires. It changes your outlook on life. And so, um, but but what I want to do now with Revelation twenty two seventeen 17, again, we're, we're making this point that we, we could honestly have just opened this video up and said, show us in Revelation twenty two seventeen where the bride is giving the water of life. And we could have left it with that because that, that, that alone answers this chapter. But, but I want to just keep kind of continue to build on that. And what I want to do real quick is read another quote from Ong Song Hong. And this is from the book we mentioned in uh, the last couple parts. Um, so this is Ong Song Hong from... His book, Problems with the New Jerusalem, The Bride and Women's Veils. Um, guys, I don't have the section where this is pulled up, so you don't, you don't have to worry about pulling it up if you um, can't find it. But this is what Ong Song Hong says. It is written that the spirit and the bride say come. And he, he references Revelation twenty two seventeen. It is true that the bride here is the same bride found in Revelation 21, 9 through 10. Since it is written, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And then Ong Song Hong says this in response to Revelation twenty two seventeen, The wife of the lamb is the saints. Okay, so I'm just, I'm putting that out there again. I know this is a repeat of things we've already said, but I think as this whole chapter two of the staff of Moses is entirely relying on Revelation twenty two seventeen to back up their argument, I think it's important to, to note that Ong Song Hong himself directly looked at this verse and gave his own interpretation of it. And his interpretation agrees with mine and Steve's and Kelsey's view of Revelation 22:17, but it clearly doesn't agree with the WMSCOG. So this is just another one of those points where as you read chapter two in the Staff of Moses, and then you look and read Ong Song Hong's own words, you have to make a decision. Uh, are you going to believe the WMSCOG or are you going to believe Ong Song Kong? Because you can't, you can't have them both. You just simply can't. Um, they contradict each other over and over and over again. It's clear Ong Song Hong did not believe the things that WMSCOG is teaching. And so at the end of the day, you got to choose between the two. If, if this is your father, your God, then you have to agree with what he says. And if you agree with what Ong Song Hong says, you have to deny and reject 
the World Mission Society Church of God. Okay, so from that, here, here's here's what I want to do is just just I want to get to some scriptures here in a moment where we we look at how the Bible emphasizes that there's very good reason to believe that this bride mentioned in Revelation is, is the saints. But first, I just wanted to give maybe a simple, um, I kind of have this simple analogy uh, to explain, I think, what, what this verse is saying about the saints. So it's obvious that the bride here is not giving the water of life. Uh, the bride is simply, this bride in Revelation 22, 17, is simply extending an invitation to come to the water of life. Um, she's not saying, come to me. The bride is saying, come to Jesus. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about how the saints are ambassadors for Christ. Uh, in Acts, Jesus says that the, the apostles are Jesus's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Um, and so the saints are saying, come to Jesus. Um, and so, so let me ask this question to WMSCOG members. Have you ever been evangelizing? Have you ever been out on the streets preaching and told somebody, uh, come to Zion or come to a Bible study? Um, I'm sure that even uh, so, some of you are using that word come. You're saying, hey, why don't you come to a Bible study? I've been told that. I've been out on the on streets or in Walmarts. It. Yeah, Kelsey's <laughs> done it. Thousands of times. <laughs> and what, what are you doing? You're in essence just saying, come to the water of life. But are you thinking that simply because you're telling people to come to Zion or come to a Bible study. Do you think that in that you're saying you are the one who's going to give the water of life? Of course you don't. No. And so my yeah, question no. is, why do you assume that when Revelation 22, 17 says the bride is doing the same thing, how do you make that drastic jump that that proves that the bride is giving the water of life? Um, right. And so one, one more thing, just this quick illustration. This again, this is what I think Revelation 2, 17, you can kind of think about it this way. So. Say if you had cancer and I was a nurse and I told you, I, like I'm, your, I'm a nurse, I'm a friend, I say, hey, come to the doctor. Like, like I know this doctor, he's a great doctor. Come, get treatment so you can be healed. If I say that to you who have cancer, am I then claiming, because I'm simply saying come, am I then claiming to be the one who will give you the treatment? Of course not. Uh, I'm simply inviting you to the one who can give you the treatment to the doctor. So as ambassadors for Christ, we are to do just this. We are to go into the world and invite the world to come to the water of life, to come to Jesus and be healed. Nothing in Revelation 22 communicates that the saints are giving the water of life. And so this argument in chapter two of the staff of Moses, it just entirely fails. Okay, yeah, you guys, do you guys have any, any thoughts on that before we move on? I mean, no, it's clear, especially with the doctor example. I mean, like, you know, if, if somebody says, you know, hey, go to this doctor, you know, this, you know, he has really good results. Um, you know, I'm not going to assume that the person telling me to go to that doctor is the one that's going to be providing that treatment. Exactly. You know, they're just the middle man. I'm going to assume that, you know, I'm going to, you know, check out that doctor. And then if I believe that doctor... King, you know, that that doctor has, you know, is as good as he's he says he is, then, you know, I'll seek treatment there. Right. Exactly. Um, OK, so here here's a second point that I that I want to make with that. Um, Revelation 21, 
Steve, can you read Revelation 21, 5 through 7 real quick? Do you have that pulled up anywhere? Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, and he who sits upon the throne <clears throat> said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write for me these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And verse 7, he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God. He will be my son. Okay, so here, here's why I wanted to, to mention that verse. The only time in Revelation or, or John or anywhere in the Gospels, in the New Testament, anywhere that the living water is being given, especially here in Revelation, anytime it's specified who is giving that water, it's, it's the lamb right? It's the one sitting on the throne. So if you ask the question, if you want to know who is the one who gives the water of life, biblically, we have to say Jesus. Like we don't, we don't have any biblical reason to say that anybody other than Jesus can be the source of eternal life because Revelation, specifically, the only time it specifies who is the one giving the water of life, it's the lamb. It's the one sitting on the throne who is Christ. So in a staff of Moses here, they they go through this whole thing and explaining this Revelation twenty two seventeen thing, and they try to tie that into the the Savior in each age. So this is a doctrine. This is right here on the first page here in chapter two. So they try to say how you know in the Father's age, you know there was water being given. In the Son's age, there was water being given, mm -hmm. and then now, well, obviously we're in the age of the Spirit which we claim that's how it is. And they try to say that no saint, no follower of God in the age of the Father, you know, ever gave water. Uh, and right here in staff, um, they say that this, no one in the age of the Son ever tried to also. But, you know, I just want to bring out some inconsistencies here. Um, one of the interesting things is, you know, in the Green Book, we get some pretty good clarification on something because they say that, uh, in the in the age of the Father, which is the age of Jehovah, well, you know, and for Christians, we would say, you know, the that Jehovah is Jesus. Je Jehovah is not the Father. So right off the bat, they've got a major fundamental. They theological say Jehovah error. is the name of God. That that it, Jehovah is is this, is Yahweh, but in English is what they teach. Right, they right. Teach. The Tetragrammaton. Right, mm -hmm. but but in in that in the. Over here in the Green Book, in chapter 12, it says Jehovah, the Old Testament, is Jesus of the New Testament. Yes, yes, yes. Which is very much, you know, a Christian Orthodox view is the second person of the Trinity there. Um, but above that, um, it actually says, now there are many false Christs who say, I am the Christ, as Jesus prophesied, the false Christ would appear in the last days. However, salvation is found in no other name in Jesus, not only at his first coming, but in these last days. Mm -hmm. So in the last days. So that right there in chapter 12 completely demolishes the idea of the Savior in three ages. They try to say that there's different names in different ages. Now we're in the age of the Spirit. That's Ansung Hong. Well, you know, Ansung Hong himself in chapter 12 of the Green Book is saying, no, 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 no. It's the name of Jesus that saves in all ages. Right. And I think that's a, a okay. real problem. So, so they start with this idea that Revelation twenty two seventeen. you see the bride saying, come. They jump from that and say, okay, if the bride is saying, come, that proves that she's giving the water of life. In the midst of trying to back that up, they, they start to kind of show that in no age 
has has any saint ever given the water of life. And so in that they sort they sort of get into their idea of the three different ages with three mm-hmm. different names of the saviors. And so what Steve is saying, and this is this is something I've talked about before, but it's just I think a lot of people need to continually be reminded that this is this is Ong Song Hong's book that Steve just read out of. And I don't I don't know if you if you heard that. I think it's worth, Steve, I'm going to reread that that section again, and then let's just kind of let that stand, um, because this is another thing. The three ages, I'm sure we'll get into that more in further chapters. Um, but again, Can just, just listen to this. Two? So this is, pay, this is chapter 12. Depending on which, if you have the Korean and English version, um, it'll be on a different page. But if you just have the English-only version, it's going to be on page 87. Um, again, chapter 12, it's right. It's it's in the under the section of the name Jesus means Savior. Okay, this is Ong Song Hong. He said this. Now there are many false Christs who say I am the Christ, as Jesus prophesied that false Christs would appear in the last days. However, salvation is found in no other name than Jesus. Not only at his first coming, but even in the last days. Okay. I'm going to let that sit. I, I know already, you know, I've been in uh, multiple conversations with, with members and I know, I know what one of their responses would be to that. Um, we'll get into that later. And so I'm, I'm acknowledging that you might have responses to that, but they don't work. Uh, the responses don't work. That's a huge, clear statement, a huge, clear teaching of Ong Song Hong that, that entirely dismantles the, the, uh, this, this pillar idea of um, three different ages, which is, is such and, a core and I just doctrine. Add that, I just want to add that, you know, as Christians, we would believe in two ages, an old covenant, a new covenant. Um, we don't believe in three ages. Um, this is what the cults do. You know, they'll try to say, well, the new, there's a, you know, there's an old covenant, new covenant, and then the truth fell away. It had to be restored. And I don't care if you say Joseph Smith had to come restore for the Mormons or Charles Taze Russell had to restore for the Jehovah's Witnesses or Ansong Hong, Ansong Hong had to come and restore it for the uh, WMSCOG. That's the same idea. They always add an extra age, an extra covenant. And, you know, even going with their logic in here in Staff of Moses, they say nowhere ever have the saints ever dispensed the water life. I would agree with that. I think Jordan would agree with that. Right. We never, we don't claim <laughs> yeah. that. They're arguing yeah. a straw man here by taking the time to say, no exactly. one ever did in the father's age, no one ever did in the son's age. Well, yeah, we agree with that. Show, show, show a Christian who actually believes that the church has given that out. It's not. Yep. It's, yep. it's the, the giver of the water life, John 7, is Christ. Jesus is what we drink. He says, Come to me and drink. Now I'm going this direction rather than come to me and get from me drink. You could say that, that wouldn't be false. But I'm saying when he says come to me and drink, he mainly means I'm the water. I say that because of chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the bread of life. He doesn't just give the bread of life. He is the living water. He doesn't just give the living water. Your soul was made for Jesus. Coming and drinking 
are what it means to believe on Jesus. Verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, whoever believes in me. And I think the juxtaposition of whoever believes on me and coming and drinking means that believing is coming and drinking and coming and drinking is believing. And again, I feel supported in that by verse 35 of chapter 6. Listen carefully. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, and this is not muscular or locational or geographic. Who, this is spiritual. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes, notice the parallelism. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here's the point. Believing is a spiritual coming to Christ for the satisfaction of the soul. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast. Virtually everything I think about and every sermon I give and every counseling session I have and every visitation to the hospital I make, I have one main goal. I want to awaken affections for God and satisfy them with God. That's, that's the way I see everything in the world. I don't mainly think about ideas, though I'm a really idea guy. Ideas are totally cooking, not eating. Ideas are totally about clearing springs away, digging wells, not drinking. I'm after drinking, not thinking. Thinking is a workhorse. Take me to the spring. I'm I'm born to drink. I want to be happy forever, totally. Nothing small, big, deep, long, strong, unshakable joy. That's what I want. The whole world wants it. They don't know. They're dribbling their, their lives away on a thousand things that cannot satisfy. All I want to do is what Jesus is about right here.